Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Um, Pastor just kind of gave you the summary version of the biography. So uh, we're teaching at the uh, uh, River School of Government at River University down at, at uh, River Tampa Bay Church. And um, that is, uh, it's, it's amazing, amazing. We have a tremendous student body at this, at this moment. And God just sending people. And uh, what Pastor has a vision to do really is raise up an army of liberty-focused, Holy Ghost-filled warriors to invade and infiltrate this system and, and drag it back, drag it back toward the cross and the Constitution. Amen? And so we're really thankful and excited about everything that's going on there. Um, and as you heard, in, in, the, in addition to that, we still travel. Pastor brought us down there. And, uh, you know, we came, we had established ministry we've been doing for um, almost a decade by that time. And he said, I don't want you to stop what you're doing. So, you know, you come, you come here, you come on one condition. You keep doing what you're doing because America needs it. And so we travel. Uh, we've cut down a tad bit just to be able to carry out our teaching responsibilities. But prior to that, for about seven years straight, we taught around 265 meetings in 22 states every year. Uh, we were spending four days out of each month at home. Uh, every other day was on the road in the hotels, and people would ask us, pastors, so is your son homeschooled? We'd say, yes, yeah, he's, he's uh, sort of homeschooled, but really he's hotel schooled, uh, car schooled, plane schooled, you know, wherever we were because we were rarely at home. Uh, you heard about, and this is very exciting, uh, this COVID thing hit, and uh, how many realize that so much of it was about targeting and shutting down the church? I mean, it's unbelievable. The, the attack, the two things I, I've seen, the attack on small business and the attack on the church. The small, small businesses, I'd love to come back and give my communism, Marxism presentation sometime. Uh, but, but the thing about the small business, this is one thing, pastor people, even conservative circles and, and Americans, uh, still don't seem to have wrapped their brain around. Uh, if you look at the history of Marxism, socialism, communism, we've been duped with propaganda that this, the, that philosophy is a philosophy of the poor against the rich. It's the poor rising up, you know, the proletariat on the factory floor rising up and overthrowing the rich. That's utter nonsense. Socialism from its foundations has and still has always been controlled by uber-wealthy, elitist, globalist, amen? That, that brand of capitalist. We think it's, there's the capitalists over here, then there's Marxists over here. No, no. The capitalists have always run it. It's, a, it's the wealthy elite that always run, the, run these things. The poor... The proletariat, the factory floor people, those are the useful idiots. Those are the dupes. I had to laugh at AOC when Biden started building his cabinet and he started choosing all these global corporatists. And she was mad. She's pulling up her hand. Oh, why are you doing this? And I, I went, wow. I knew she was the stupidest congressperson ever elected, but I had no idea. I didn't know she was actually that dumb. 
she's one of the factory floor proletariat who actually thinks they're the one running this thing. She never realized it's always been those elitists, the wealthy elites that have run this. How many know Karl Marx never had a job in his life? His mother was, was a Jewish heiress of Philips, right? The big electronics company. He was wealthy. Ingalls was the son of a wealthy lawyer. You, name, you run down the linen, rich guy, right? It was, and all their propaganda was bourgeois this and bourgeois that. They were the bourgeois. Hello, are you with me? I don't know, I don't know if this is off the topic. That just, Lord just dropped it in my spirit for some reason. Somebody needed, somebody needed to hear that. Because the thing is, these, can I come down here just close to y'all? I guess this is just where we're supposed to be right now, Pastor. I, I don't, this is not what I was going to say or get into, but here it is. Because some of these politicians, see, they'll start coming to you. They learn, they learn a vocabulary. Hello? Think back in 2010, you know, take, take, take back the house and tea party. And how many candidates, Miss Debbie, did we have come to us that we helped and sucking up around everything we're doing? They learned the liberty vocabulary, constitutional vocabulary. Then they get in D.C., they take off their costume, and we find out they were swamp creatures all along. And so these guys will come talking to you, business and, and, and you know, finance and economy and you know oh, well they're rich guys and they're business people so they must be on our side they're pro-capitalist have you noticed all the people driving the socialist program all happen to be uber wealthy billionaires zuckerberg billionaire dorsey billionaire i can't pronounce the dude's name at google billionaire hello jeff zucker cnn billionaire Hello? I'll, I'll start, people start throwing stuff and calling me conspiracy theorists. I won't go into Rockefeller and Carnegie and all the billionaire industrialists who launched the thing in the first place on these shores. Hello? So we, this is the point of what Chris Ann teaches. And those of you who have watched the show, some, Pastor said some have tuned into the show now. Hello? Anybody listen to the show? Okay, sorry guys. I'm... People come on there and they're like, you don't sound like a preacher. You don't sound like a pastor. I said, no, you're wrong. The problem is all the people that you've known under that label, they haven't sounded like pastors. That's the problem. Hello? That's not a Christian sitting talk like that. Christian act like that. You know, all this mealy mouth, spineless nonsense passing off as biblical Christianity. You, you, think when, you think when Pharaoh issued mandatory abortion and the Hebrew midwives stepped up and said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to kill those babies. You, somebody said, well, that's not very believer sounding of you. Telling the king what you're not going to do, you rebel. Hello? You think Moses sounded like a man of God when he stuck his finger in the face of Pharaoh and said, no, buddy, you better get right or God's going to judge you. Oh, Moses, he, he's entering into the political realm. We, we don't, he should stay in his wheelhouse. That's mission creep. Hello? Y'all act like y'all have heard this stuff before. 
Amen. I mean, we could keep we could keep going on down the line. You know the stories. Everybody knows this is a crazy thing. Everybody knows the Sunday school stories. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, the apostles, pastor just referenced. I'd rather we'd rather obey God than men. Acts 5:29. I mean, that's the word. So it's been very revealing, Pastor, at this time to see the divide, to see, I should say, see the distinctions being made. Starting to find out who looks more like Bible characters and who looks more like a bunch of these phony, modern, fake caricatures who have hijacked the title Pastor, Preacher, Christian. Hello? I, I, see a, I see a king in Nebuchadnezzar standing near a burning furnace, apoplectic. Why you know I issued this order? Why are you not bowing? They said, you know, I'm glad you asked us that question. Appreciate that. We were just waiting for that question. It doesn't look much like a lot of these preachers we've seen today. As they stood there boldly talking to who was at that time the ruler of the known world as far as they knew can you imagine that standing in front of the most powerful man on the planet and said well here's the deal king uh, if God didn't want you to throw us into that furnace you couldn't even do it hello can you imagine standing in front of that king and saying if God didn't want you to, you wouldn't even be able to throw us into the fire. But know this, O king, even if he does not deliver us, we're still not bowing. We may burn, but we will not bow. That is what a man of God and a woman of God sounds like. And that's what we've seen over this time. Hello? Because the deal is this, this, and when we say, you know, the socialist agenda and Marxist agenda, that's just kingdom truth in political language. Because in reality, what we're talking about is forwarding of the Antichrist agenda. That's what that agenda is. And so what's going on now when you see churches standing, when you see preachers standing, when you see people of God standing saying, you won't close down my church, you won't close down my, my uh, business. No, I'm not going along with this. We're not going to comply with this. We're going to keep doing what God told us to do. That's what biblical Christianity looks like. And if you follow all those stories throughout Scripture, every time one of those people of God stood in the Bible, they were blessed. They got a thumbs up. God went to their Facebook page, clicked like, gave them the thumbs up, and then blessed them. You can run down every single story. And can I tell you, everywhere we travel, and every, every preacher that we've helped, every ministry that we've helped, that have stood in this time of persecution and church targeting, their ministries are exploding. The congregation is expanding. The resources are pouring in. And many of these churches that closed their door and bowed down to Caesar, they're finished. We know some that they've had to 
turn in the keys to their property, it's over. Done. Hello? They folded under persecution, and now they're having to fold up the tent and out the door. But the people that are standing, Pastor, are being blessed. And we, we've seen it. We know testimony over and over again. And um, so I'm very thankful for what's going on here. And I'm excited about what God is going to pour into this place because of your stand. Because it's not about, I don't like this rule. I don't like that law. I'm not going to do that. It's not what it's about, folks. It's about the glory of God. We are standing just, just, like, just like David when he looked at Goliath and he said, now I'm going to take your head off. And the birds are going to eat your carcass and all the carcass of your little army today. He said, so that all the earth will know this day. <laughs> Woo. That there is a God in Israel. We're, we're standing and not bowing because we're transmitting a message that says, if God be for us, who can be against us? The government's not our provider. The government's not our protector. We stand for God, and he will stand for us. That's what this is about. Amen. So praise the Lord. We're very excited about the opportunity to, to play a small part in this. We've started in the midst of all this persecution and and reaching out and helping these ministries and pastors, um, we just went ahead and did something that God's been dealing with us for over a decade, and we went ahead and started a legal foundation. And uh, the, the intent is to help pastors and churches at no charge to them uh, with free defense, legal services, advice, help, whatever legal help, legal aid that, that they need. So we're trying to be the righteous version of the ACLU, uh, right? Amen. I mean, the devil's got his team. Why not? Why not? Why can't we have our team? So we're we just we just kind of got that off the ground. I'm going to be making prayer cards. Actually, I'll send some to you, Pastor. Uh, the website is libertyfirst.legal. Libertyfirst.legal, and um, you know, as you think about it, if you just you're thinking about Chris Ann. Think about libertyfirst.legal. Pull up that website as you're going about your day. And just when you get to it, pray over it. Amen. Just pull up the website and say, Lord, bless this endeavor. Put your hand on it. Be all in it. Expand it. Empower it. Let it be a shield and a buckler for the people of God on behalf of God. Amen. So without further ado, I'm going to. Bring my wife up and let her do her thing. The most beautiful constitutional attorney that I know. And uh, I'll tell you this real quick. So Chris Ann was a prosecutor uh, in North Florida where I grew up. I grew up in North Florida, Lake City area. Every, every Floridian knows that North Florida is the south and South Florida is the north. Um, but I, So I grew up in North Florida. And Chris Ann was a prosecutor there for about 10 years. And um, she, uh, she left there for a little bit and went and worked for a prominent nonprofit legal uh, firm, constitutional law firm, defending street preachers, religious liberty churches, thing that we're about to do now. And then came back to the state attorney's office, and the guy who had 
run for state attorney, won the office, ended up being some wacko leftist. And she, she, when she'd come back, people got word about her constitutional work and wanted her to come teach constitution and do some things. And um, her boss got word of that and gave her an ultimatum and said, you need to cease and desist your association with right-wing fringe groups. And um, she said, well, I'm teaching the constitution uh, on my own time, on my own dime. And, uh, but I'd be happy to give a disclaimer every time I teach if you, if you would like, because I'm not talking about my cases. I'm not representing myself as speaking for the state attorney's office. He said, that being said, you will, not, um, you will not teach what you teach. It's an ethical conflict for anybody to, that has a, a job in government to teach that the Constitution uh, requires limited government. So long story short, she said, you didn't give me my First Amendment right, and I'm not surrendering them to you for a paycheck. She was fired. That turned into a fight. Um, when she was fired, I had planted a church pastor. wasn't even taking a salary. We were just building from the bottom up. She was essentially the only income in the house at that time, which was a good income as a, as a prosecutor in North Florida. And we went to zero, essentially. Well, when that happened, because, again, North Florida is the South, um, people didn't like that too much and they grabbed their torches and pitchforks and surrounded the state attorney's office for about three days and they couldn't get any work done so some news people caught that and she got on Neil Cavuto for 15 seconds and she was on Jacksonville News, Tallahassee and um, next thing you know people started sending in encouraging letters and giving little donations we get $5 here, $10 here we got a check and a letter from a family and the mom said we saw you on the news and heard your story and we were so moved and inspired and we brought our children and we we use it as an object lesson of what it means to stand for what you believe in our children were so inspired that they wanted to grab their um, uh, what do you call it allowance take their piggy bank banks and so we broke open the piggy banks we looked through the couch cushions and the drawers and we gathered everything up so here's a check for hundred and thirty three dollars and fifty seven cents some oddball amount, right? We kind of chuckled, like, who writes a check for that, even though that might be what you collected, but normally we would round it up, round it down. They, like, it was to the penny, and we sort of laughed and cashed the check and uh, asked ourselves, why would somebody write it so specifically until the next week when we got our electric bill? You know the rest. To the exact penny. And God has, God has done that. God has done that over and over again for 11 straight years. And it hit me a little bit after that, that before we had ever even used the electricity, before the electric company had even issued the bill, before we, before, whoo, <laughs> before anybody knew anything about all that was happening and the bill got to us that we had to pay, the check was already in the mail. God had already had somebody send it to. The electric company didn't even know the amount at that point. But I know somebody who did. Amen. So we firmly believe if you stand for the gifts of God, he will stand for you. Amen. My wife and best constitutional teacher you'll ever meet, Chris Ann Hall. Thank you. Thank you. No, no, please don't. I hope you give God the glory for that because he's the one that put me here. 
And JC tells you that story because not, not to sort of lift us up, make you think we're some kind of spiritual giants. I want you to know that God did this, right? Now he's a gentleman about it. And he met me in the word and said, like Esther, I'm giving you a choice. You can or you can't. It's entirely up to you. But he flat out told me, if you're not a part of my plan, I cannot guarantee the safety of your family. And that's what he told Esther. I will find somebody to do what I have to do, but your family may not be secure in this. And I have lived on that promise for 11 years that my family is safe and secure under the wing of our Lord. Because he promised me that. He promised me that. Now, the Bible is very clear. The Bible is clear that God rewards us when we stand for the gifts that he's given. To whom much is given, much is required. You've got the parable of the talents. You've got the Hebrew nursemaids. You've got Jochebed, the mother of Moses. You've got all of these stories throughout the Bible of God rewarding people for doing. Can I just let that settle in there for just a second? Rewarding people for doing. You see, if we think that sitting here is our service to God, we're missing the point. Yes, we need to be here to take a stand. Yes, we need to be here to support the pastor. Yes, we need to be here to to be in our body of Christ. But if this is what you're doing for God, you're missing it. I want to show you some things today because a lot of people have a lot of words and a lot of things to say. And God will be, you know, I, 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 we get the whole thing online and on social media and our radio show. And God's in control. God's got it worked out. God will see the end. Well, yeah. But don't you know he put you here to be a vessel, to be his agent in activity? Yeah, God is sovereign. Yeah, he can do anything that he wants. But he chose to do it through us. And when we sit like, you know, passengers on the, on the transformation train waiting for the rapture, we are not fulfilling our purpose in Christ. We are not. JC and I. Honey, will you bring me that bottle of water that's somewhere around my chair somewhere? I don't know. Thanks. JC and I have created a documentary. And before I get started, I, wanna, I want you to see that documentary. Because I want you to understand, we're not here to just occupy the next 45 minutes to an hour of your time. We're not here for that. I could go occupy myself at the mall for the next 45 minutes to an hour and be around a bunch of people. We have come here to give you a message, to inspire you, 
to equip you to be a warrior because these are the times that will try men's souls. We are entering back into that day that our founders lived through. And there are some things we need to know. First and foremost, sitting is not how you stand. So go ahead and play. This is the first trailer for our, uh, for our documentary. And we're hoping to release the documentary. We know we will because the Lord will make it happen. The documentary in January of 2021. Are we good? All right. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain alienable rights. We have a power. And we've raised a spoiled brat representative government that needs to be taken to the woodshed. Are you satisfied with the government that owns you? There are churches who refuse to allow us to use their facilities to teach. Unspoken or even sometimes spoken rule that religion and politics don't mix. You wouldn't dare speak out against the government or somehow resist. Christians have to be involved in politics. God commands it. Every turn of event through history hinged one person will stand up upon a single person and then everybody else will stand a gym member surrounded by a crowd of supporters was placed in handcuffs a tampa bay pastor has been arrested sentenced to a week in she jail she also and tore up a cease and desist letter we have a posterity waiting for us to say we will not comply so you will be free They have a chance to fight without bloodshed. But every time we comply, we establish a future where our children will not have that option. Why do we sit down when all should be standing? And why do we back down? So when you're praying, pray for that movie to reach millions. To reach millions. Let's go ahead and start the presentation here and I'm going to tell you when to move to the next slides as we go along. You can go ahead and move. This is how we get, this is our radio show and all this stuff, but I want to talk to you tonight about religious liberty in America. Because it's one thing to realize there's something that needs to be done. It's one thing to know that you have to stand. But there's a whole nother thing in knowing what it takes to stand. You've got to count the cost. Because let me tell you something. The cost of liberty is coming due in America. It is coming due. And we can't have people go halfway. 
So if you're going to be in this, you got to be in it to the end. And the only way you can do that is if you are filled with the spirit, filled with truth and filled with courage. You have to know there's more than just sitting in a pew. Because so much more, it took so much more to get us where we are now. If our founders acted like these churches in America today, that are bowing down to the oligarchs, bowing down to the counties and all their mandates and the governors. If our founders did that, we would still be British today. We have to realize where they came from, what they did for us, so we will become accountable for what we owe the future of America. Because, see, it's not about us. If it's about how comfortable you are today, if it's about how many rolls of toilet paper you have in your closet, if it's about having your business today or being in your church today, you will be a sunshine patriot. It's got to be bigger than you. It's got to be bigger than now. It's got to be about our future. And you got to have certain foundations to understand that. The things that our founders knew, the things that drove them, Samuel Adams said, no people will tamely surrender their liberties nor be easily subdued when knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved. He said, but on the contrary, when the people become universally ignorant and debauched in their manners, they will sink underneath their own weight without the aid of foreign invaders. How many of you out there can realize by the raise of your hand that we have lost more liberty in the last six months by our own hand than we have in the last 60 years by foreign invaders? I guess you got some libertarians in the audience back there. I ain't raising my hand. She told me to raise my hand. I don't do what people tell me to do. I'm on liberty. I'm just praying you're just, you know rebellious like that and you don't actually believe what we're in right now is okay the god who gave us life gave us liberty at the same time that's why our Declaration of Independence says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their governor with certain inalienable rights. Our Supreme Court, our president. Endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. That means they're not take, they can't take away from you. They can't get them from you because you were created with them. Like your DNA. God created you with DNA. 
You cannot lose your DNA and stay who you are. You cannot lose your liberty and stay who you are because God wove that into your spirit and made you free. But it comes at a price. It absolutely comes at a price. I want to share with you that price. Go ahead and give me the next one. Chrisanne, JC, come up here with me one more time real quick, if you would. Here's what I want to do. I want you to be seated, if you would, just real quick. Let me turn this microphone on. How many of you enjoyed this tonight? Powerful? Check, check. You can... Branson, take this microphone right here, son, if you would. What I want to do, I'm going to put you on the spot. I want to take 10 minutes. Can you give us 10 minutes? We may not even need it, but I know that some of you would like to ask a question about anything as it relates. Now, remember, remember, she's a constitutional lawyer, okay? $350 uh, an hour. $350 an hour. So that's why we're doing 10 minutes. <laughs> and so, so if anybody, if anybody has a question that you would like to ask, I've got one that I'm going to ask, all right? But I'm going to use mine I'm gonna at the end. Um, anybody's got a question like to ask, why don't you slip your hand up right here in the front row. Go ahead, B. We want to capture it on the microphone just so we get on the live stream. Go ahead. Understanding the position that we're in now as a country and the condition that our government and our city, states, and federal government has gotten to, I don't see any clear way to correct the problem. So at what point do we, the people, reset it to the way it's supposed to be, wherein we have the right to dissolve the government, but not in a way where we say, uh, this is what the law says. You are beholding to that law as well as we are. You're not above that law. This is what the Constitution says. You do not have the right to create laws to better yourself, to harm us, and ignore that Constitution. So at what point, all the words in the world and all the faith in the world are fantastic, but at what point do you act? You know, what's interesting is that you started off by saying, um, and I don't think I'm repeating you exactly, but I don't really see any other way. But you actually talked about it, the way. And the way is holding them accountable. Now, what we don't realize, I think one of the biggest impediments to fixing our problems is our lack of understanding on what the real fix actually is. For many, many generations, Americans have been taught that voting is how you control government. Voting is not how you control government. It's it, people are like, my vote's not working. Well, your vote is working. People are being put into office. That's what your vote is supposed to do. But voting is not how you control government. Voting is your obligation as a member of a republic. That's you, what you do in a republic. What you do every other day of every other year is what you do to control government. And what's happened is we've checked out. We've been, sold, we've been told that voting is the pinnacle of our political existence. When in reality, that's the pebble on the bottom of the, of the stream. It's so low. It's below sea level. 
what we are supposed to be doing every single day. Vigilance, eternal vigilance, means you're supposed to be watching. You're supposed to be controlling every single day. Now that begs the question, how do we do that? Well, you have to go to city council meetings. You have to go to county commission meetings. You have to go to school board meetings. You have to make sure that the people that, are that you are voting for actually start off on the right path. And then when they get in, you've got to make sure they stay on that path. And if they stray, you don't make excuses for them. Oh, well, but he's a nice guy, you know, he comes from our church and we, you know, he, he means well. No, we're not talking about inviting somebody over for di Christmas dinner. You can like a guy even though he's a sinner and he doesn't do it right and invite him over for dinner. But you can't support a person who doesn't do it right when they've been trusted with the office of government. You must be resolved to get rid of them regardless of the cost. Period. They have to go. And then you have to understand your power. Your power is not in Donald Trump. Your power is not in the Supreme Court. They are not your power. They are not your protector. They are not your savior. You, all government comes from the people. You are the source of their power. And you must understand that the best check and balance on government is to remove that power how do you remove that power that's what our movie is about the power of peaceful non-compliance you own your business you own your life you own your home it is yours not theirs they didn't build it they didn't buy it they didn't work for it your power is simply in four words. We will not comply. That's your power. That is your reset, by the way. That is the most powerful reset that you have. Simply saying, we will not comply. But you need to work together as a community in that. You must be united in liberty. You must have a constitutional sheriff. Before you vote for a president, you need to know you have a constitutional sheriff. If you do not have a constitutional sheriff, it is my humble opinion, you have no business voting in a presidential election, period. Because a constitutional sheriff knows that his, do, his or her duty is to support and defend the Constitution, not to enforce unjust laws and tyrannical orders. A constitutional sheriff will be outside your business and say, no, health department, you have no jurisdiction here. You cannot shut them down. A constitutional sheriff will tell the state health officer you cannot do that. Now, here's the question. It's not about you, right? How many times do we hear JC? Well, we tried, we did this, you know what? Then try again. We don't give up. Do you know it took seven years to get to the Paris of the Treaty of Paris? 
seven years of, of, of declared war. We were actually fighting for five years before that. Once we got the Treaty of Paris, Great Britain did not recognize our independence. And for 30 years, 32 exactly, they came and they stole our resources. They kidnapped our men and made them go into service because they believed we were still British. It took uh, two wars and 40 years of fighting to build America. We have yet to begun to fight here. I don't, I don't want to hear excuses. If you come at me excuses, I'm, I'm, not, I'm sorry. I don't have patience for them. We've been fighting for way too long, and we've been, we have sacrificed and fought too much already. Don't tell me what other people will not do. Tell me what you will do and how you will be resolved to do it until you're called home. Let me tag team on that. Um. So just, just direct, concise to the question, so when, when, where is that line? And we have this conversation all the time. People come to us all the time with a question, and um, I think we all kind of know what we're talking about, right? There's a line out there. And where is that? When you've exhausted all of the peaceful measures. Yeah. That's bottom line where that is. Our problem is we haven't educated ourselves on all those measures. Even all that she just mentioned were just a few. Right. So, you, you mean, we have to, we have to engage We've disengaged. Who here has run for uh, for selectman? Anyone? Who even knows what a selectman is? I mean, so we could go on and on with this. With the party positions, get in the party, work in the party. There's the 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 way you do it. There's inside and there's outside. You work within the government, so we got to get in there. We got to learn how to run and learn how to win. We we run into a lot of candidates, you know have a real passion, I want to do this, whatever, but they've never taken the time to learn how to run or learn how to win. We just did a whole conference for almost a week with Leadership Institute teaching people, here's how you fundraise, here's how you campaign. I mean, the nuts and bolts, nitty-gritty with people who've done this for decades and, and run major campaigns. So there's the political realm, organize, educate, local, your county commission, your school board, your city council. Uh, state legislature. I mean, on and on, there's so many levels and different things that we have to do as activists as well as uh, inside of the politicians. And if, if we're honest, we haven't done those things. And so I, I'll just be frank with you, with a lot of my friends get in the conversation where, well, we just want to, let's just pick up a rifle and let's settle this. You're being lazy. It's just a lazy, that's a lazy perspective in my opinion. Do we get frustrated? Do we get angry? Do we wish it would just finish quickly? We know, yeah, you do that, you settle a lot of quickly, but how much damage are you going to do uh, by pursuing that method? So we, we, can't, we can't just give up. This is hard work, and it's long work. And so we can't just give up on people. When, you, when, you, when we give up and we want to go, okay, let's just do revolution, you're sacrificing literal people. You're saying these, it's okay that these people die. It's okay that these kids die. We, we just can't, we can't entertain that. There may come a day we've exhausted everything and the enemy is at our front door. And, you know, we have, we have a right to defend ourselves, I believe, scripturally. We do that, okay? But we got to make sure we exhaust every means, every peaceful means to right this ship. Let me just mention one more thing. Because I study this, I know... 
we stopped teaching the Constitution properly in 1833. For 186 years, we have taught lies to our people about the Constitution. Why are we thinking that we are going to fix this overnight? You've got 186 years of, of, of indoctrination teaching the wrong things, why we're here where we're here, uh, why we are here where we are. We've got to have a more long-term perspective on this. Uh, you can grow all the, all the gourds and, and, and all the, the squash you want overnight, but I'm in it for the oak tree, and that takes time. Can I say, I meant to say this one thing. Can I give you a little encouraging bits is that okay can i encourage you with some because i really feel like we are we have the media is one of the biggest enemies in this nation and it's distracted us it's deceived us and we are distracted by uh the presidential voting drama i mean completely i'm talking about conservatives i'm talking about us totally it blows my mind how many know just a month it's been a month I mean, you know, we just went through one of the mo one of the biggest red waves that we've ever seen. Are you aware of that? I mean, everybody's running. Oh, we're lost, and what do we do? It's finished. We just had, and I just use. I understand Republicans. It's not, you know, Republicans doesn't mean it's all win. But I'm just using that as a baseline of talking about forwarding what we believe in. Every state legislature in this country gained red seats. In the House, we were supposed to go backwards. Republicans gained seats. Democrats have the slimmest majority that they've had since 1893. They did not flip the seats that they targeted in the Senate. The Senate's where it's at for other reasons. But they, they were not successful in any of the seats that they actually targeted. What... The winds go back 2016. When Donald Trump came in, the winds that happened there. Some of the biggest, the most massive winds in history. The midterm, Donald Trump's midterm. The midterm, historically, every single time, every single midterm election since the foundation of this country swings back against the party in power. That swing back against Donald Trump was the smallest swing in American history. It was the smallest loss we've ever had. Obama's was the largest, by the way. His midterm losses were the largest in American history. We've had, and this not even mentioned, the thousands of judges that were appointed in all the federal courts in the last four years. These last four years have been massive, massive number of victories all over this nation. The day after, the day after this election, when the, when the progressive saw the result, a progressive magazine put it out, I did, I did this show, I think I did this show by myself the very next day out of the election, I talked about this article, the progressives published an article the very next day, they, they were beside themselves, they were so upset. Did you catch that? They were upset because they did not make the gains because they, they were going to take that, you know, increase the lead in the House, flip the Senate, blah, blah, blah. Now, we know how bizarre is that red wave all the way down ticket and somehow that we're supposed to believe that didn't translate 
to the top of the ticket, right? But that's an aside. But this progressive magazine, they, they said, this is terrible. Joe Biden is a, what did they say? Uh, Joe Biden is a failed president from day one because we did not gain anywhere else and will not be able to do anything. And the history of the midterm tells us we will get kicked out of power and we won't be able to get back in for 40 years. That's not, that's not me saying that. That's what the progressives were saying the day after the election. Stop being blinded by the deceit and letting them discourage us and making us believe we've lost our country. The last four years have been victory after victory after victory after victory. All of this corruption and this theft that just happened, that's the purpose of it, is to distract you from that, what's really happened. I believe in the depths of my soul. We are on the verge of a massive, massive change in this nation in our favor. I cannot wait for the midterms to come around to see the progressives prophecy come true. I'm going to bake a cake and throw a party when what they said will happen to them happens to them in Jesus name. They've inspired me to run for constable. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm about to run. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we are winning. Yeah, not only that, we've traveled around the country for years. I'm going to tell you, the media wants you to believe that every one of our young people are a bunch of liberal, progressive, no, Chavez, no, Rivera, no. socialist-loving people. I want you to know that there is a counterculture of young people, a liberty counterculture, and they are growing. We have seen this now for 11 years. We taught some of these young people of the counterculture eight years ago who are now parents of children raising them to be liberty people these numbers are growing we are going to see we and i'm saying this as as, as absolute truth we are going to see a great awakening in america and it is going to shake you up Love it. amen one more question Anybody got one more question you want to ask? All right, Stephanie. You got to use the mic so we can catch it on the live stream. Go ahead. I haven't really thought this out. What happens with the vaccine if they try to come, or like the Department of Health, what, 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 do you, what can you do? Because I'm not taking it. I mean, I don't want to be forcibly injected. Well, that's a line. That's a line. <laughs> JC says, I, I, I got to, JC always says, he's, he's jokingly, but seriously, uh, I, I, I got a deal. I stick you, you stick me, and I go first, right? But that, joking aside, that's where the power has to be. You need to come together in unity in your community and protect each other. You need to work now to get a constitutional sheriff that will defend you. You need county commissioners that will defend you. And if they won't, then your church needs to come up and defend each other. You cannot let this come into your body. And I'm probably going to get arrested for saying that one day. But I've done the research. There's actually an article on my website, chrisanhall.com, how mandatory vaccinations affect religious liberty. These vaccinations were created from aborted babies. They used the tissue of 14-week of boys 
They took the tissue from their kidneys to make this vaccination. Now, even if I wasn't opposed to abortion, I just, that feels like cannibalism. I, that's not right. You don't inject body parts into your bloodstream. Now, what you don't know is that I also have a degree in biochemistry. Before I went to law school, before I was in the army, I was a biochemist. There is more mercury in these vaccinations than I was legally allowed to have on a laboratory table. So you can tell me whatever you want. If it's so safe, why did Congress invoke an act that shields the pharmaceutical companies from liability when this stuff hurts you? If it's so safe, why aren't they held liable? Why aren't they held accountable? So I'm not telling you what to do. You do what the Lord leads you to do. You do what you have to do. But as for me and my house, we are not. And this will be one of those things. This is the line. You will not inject me. You will not inject my husband. And you sure as H-E double hockey sticks are not touching my child. And we will go down over that. You ain't seen Mama Bear yet till you come after my boy. Amen. We, we got a good lawyer. I'm telling you. You know, I know it's late, but I'll, get, I'll take one more question before I give the final one. Anybody else? Where at? Where at? In the back? All the way in the back, Branson. All the way in the back. Yep. We got a young we got a young man back there at once one of our youth that wants to ask a question. Hey, how many of you know that the same thing that we're experiencing in this election actually already happened in our history in 1876? There is nothing new under the sun. Nothing. And there's no reason for us to be freaking out. But CNN says it's unprecedented. But CNN says it's unprecedented. Oh. Okay, young man, go ahead. Now, go ahead. I, I can't see back there. Right. Who is it? Jaden? Jaden, okay, go ahead. Ask your question. I know we're way fast <laughs> I know we're way past this point, but what's a constitutional lawyer? Oh, very good question. Thank you. A constitutional lawyer is a lawyer who studies the constitution and defends people in their rights. So if you're protesting and then somebody arrests you or creates a law that says you can't protest then I represent you in court to keep the government from taking away and hurt and, and, and destroying your rights when the church when the sheriff came to shut down the church my job would have been to be an, an advocate for the church in the courtroom to say, no, the sheriff does not have the authority to shut this church down. We have a right to assemble. We have a right to worship according to the dictates of our conscience. And we have a duty to our God to do so and that the government can't interfere with that. So I am a defender of the rights of the people. All right. I have that, kid, um, that kid's River School of Government material. We tell our students 
almost every class, define your terms. Define your terms. So here, here, here's my question. It has nothing to do with current events. This goes back to a conversation I was having with my family. And I told my family that and they disagreed with me because I don't think that they understand, or maybe I don't understand. But I made this statement to them. If you, I think I'm, I think I'm going to the Fifth Amendment. And if you own a piece of property and you fail to pay your taxes on that property that you think you own, the question is, do you really own the property that you think you own, even if you've paid the mortgage off in the United States of America? Do we really own property or do we lease property via a property tax? Well, you actually, I mean, you, you objection, Your Honor, question asked and answered. Okay, so I actually teach this at the River School of Government. I teach this at libertyfirstuniversity.com. And property ownership in America does not exist anymore. It does not exist. Even if you pay off your mortgage, just think about this. This came to me one day because in our little local newspaper, every third Wednesday of the month or something, the whole newspaper is all of the properties on the courthouse steps, right? All the properties that had not paid their taxes. And what it is, is if you don't pay your tax, your property tax for three years, then the, the local government comes and seizes your property. Now, I never thought about it until I actually started looking into that. You see, I thought, well, you know, they have to take your property to sell your property to get the property tax that you owe them. Problem is, three years of property tax doesn't come close to the value of your property. I was, well, I, I'm, I am not kidding. I saw, I saw properties that were six, seven, nine thousand dollars in property tax arrears being sold for a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars, going back to the county. And it occurred to me in that day exactly what you said. We don't own property in America. We actually rent it from the government. You see, when you fail to pay your property taxes for three years, they're not taking your property to pay off that debt. They're evicting you because you have failed to pay your rent. You don't own it. Now, the second realization that I had was in Haiti. I discovered Haitians have more liberty than Americans. You don't own your business either. You know why you don't own your business? It has nothing to do with property taxes. It has to do with licensing. You get a license from the government, you don't own your property. The licensing agency does. We should know that now more than anything. Because when the government comes and says, okay, we're going to revoke your license if you don't do A, B, or C, now they own your property if you're not willing to do A, B, or C. Our property is not owned by us anymore. It's owned by government. We went to Haiti. We were missionaries in Haiti. And I, don't, I love to bake. And I, I make these little empanadas. 
with cream cheese and mango, and then you fry them, and you put powdered sugar on them. They're just amazing. And mangoes are everywhere in Haiti. So we went to the market. We got some mangoes. We got some cream cheese, and I taught the host family that I was living with how to make these empanadas, and they were like going crazy over these things. And she says, she says, Christer, Sister Chrisanne, we need to buy some stuff and we'll go down to the corner and we'll put up a table. She said, we can make hundreds and they'd be gone in a minute. And then, you know, she's talking about this. And I thought, huh. I said, do you realize that that's not how it works in America? You see, because if I had this, this great recipe, this ingenious idea, and I wanted to go sell it to my neighbors, I would first have to get a permit to stand on the street corner to sell it. I have to pay somebody for it to do that. Then the government would probably be required to come and inspect my kitchen, and I'd have to have a special permit to cook out of my kitchen. And then once I set up my table, I'm explaining all this to her. Once I set up my table, I can sell it, but I have to make sure that I keep some aside because I'm going to have to pay the government for the privilege of selling what I just made and created. And she said, Sister Chrisanne, you can't be telling the truth. She said, that's not what we think America is. I said, well, Americans don't think that's what it is either, but that's the truth. In, in Haiti, if you have a cow and you slaughter a cow and it's too much for your family to eat, you go on the street corner, you hang the cow up and you, you sell it to your friends and family. You have too much milk. You provide it for your community. You can do that. And that's liberty. But liberty is prosperity for the entire neighborhood. We don't live in the prosperity of liberty anymore. We live in a dictatorship where government owns everything. We need a reformation and a revival. Amen. Those would have been lines for the, for the founders, by the way. The, a, a meeting on the, a convocation on the steps to auction off properties from the government. The Sons of Liberties would have been there. That would not have been allowed to continue month after month. And so I, I feel like those kind of little things, it's like the, the little small foxes that spoil the vine. Those kind of little things we've just allowed. Like we need anti-property tax sons of liberty groups that kind of thing happens they're going there and they're disrupting it so the argument, disallowing it. i agree with you the argument would be well the argument would be well then then how is the police going to be funded and how are streets going to be funded and how and i know, i think i know the answer but i'm gonna let you answer it it's called consumption tax yeah. It's consumption tax. That is the taxation that our founders supported, consumption tax. You guys know it as sales tax, right? That way you have a choice. Taxation is supposed to be a choice. It's supposed to be a power held by the people. Thomas Jefferson wrote to Lord North in 1775 that the power to withhold our taxes is the most powerful check and balance that we hold on government and something that we should never let go of, period. And we have to understand that we've let so much go. Remember... I, I showed you the slide of the 1100 Charter of Liberties by King Henry I. One of the things that King Henry promised, he said, if any of my barons or earls shall die, 
Their heirs shall not be forced to purchase their inheritance, but shall retrieve it through force of law and custom. So what he said was that if the heirs of a property have to pay the government before they can receive their inheritance, you live in an evil and oppressive government. What do we call that today? Death tax, inheritance tax? How is it that a king in 1100 with no Google Oracle, with no CNN, MSNBC, or Fox News, knew that inheritance tax was the mark of an evil and oppressive government, and yet today in 2020 we allow our government to call it revenue? Could it be that we have taught the wrong things for a very long time? Now you see why God called us to do what we do. Now you see why we have all the training material for you. I would add this to our side needs more agitators. We're too civilized. Our side is too civilized. We, we allow Antifa and the European, the European style anarchists out there you know, they're not embarrassed by burning half the freaking city down. And I'm not saying go destroy property, but I think of our friend Bernie Thompson over in Panama City, just, you know, one man. He's a one-man agitator. He shows up at the city council. I mean, he calls, he calls two, two uh, what were they, county commissioners, two city councilmen to quit, literally quit their job, said we're not running again because he was there every day embarrassing them, shaming them, agitating, getting under their skin. We, that's what the Sons of Liberty was, an organized group of agitators. Uh, and and we, it's like we're too embarrassed to get out there and make noise and cause trouble. We need more people on our side causing trouble. It's called prophets that trouble Israel. That's what we got to yeah. have is prophets so, that trouble Israel. I want you to understand this falls into peaceful noncompliance. Do you know how Bernie made them quit? He showed up at every city council meeting with a camera. He filmed everything that he, they did and then put it on the internet. He confronted them at every single meeting, every single public forum. He took his two minutes and questioned what they were doing and then replayed their answers all across the internet. But you know what that means? You have to go to the city council meetings. You have to go. You have to invest yourself into these meetings. You got to carry, you got to film them. He would run into them at the restaurant and say, oh, out come his phone. Oh, he, and he made up nicknames for them. He did. He made up nicknames for them. And it became such a bane for them. They would walk down the street and everybody would go, hey, there's... Chavez, one of the guys, he called him Chavez. Oh, there's Chavez. They quit because they got tired of being called the nicknames that Bernie assigned to them. All right, last question. This is the last question because I know everybody in this room wants to know this. And we'll give you each 60 seconds if you can. By the way, Bernie Thompson has a podcast, a video podcast on YouTube. If you want to learn from the master, you need to follow Bernie Thompson. Bernie needs to come to this church. Yes. He'd fit right in. Um, well, I'm not going to go there, but anyways. Um, oh, sorry. Is that my that's, that's okay. 60 seconds apiece. I think a lot of people in here want your opinion on what's going to happen with the presidential election. What, in your opinion, 
what do you see happening in the next 30 plus days? The electors cast their vote yesterday. The votes are to be certified and sent to the Senate president. On January 6th, by law, the Senate president will crack the seals and will count the votes in front of the House and the Senate. At that point, and at that point alone, a president of the United States will be announced. There are way too many variables between now and January 6th to make predictions. There are still lawsuits. There are still electors. There are still a lot of things to happen. There is no such thing as an office of the president-elect. It does not exist. It does not exist. Okay? Now, anybody who announces a presidential winner before January 6th is speculating. There is no definitive. I can tell you, there were four examples in history where they speculated and then they were wrong on January 6th. So I don't make predictions like that because that's irresponsible in my book. We have a process, but I'll tell you what happens after January 6th, what I hope happens after January 6th. The American people wake up and see that the President of the United States is not their savior, not their provider, and they get back involved, state and local, and stop becoming worshipers of the federal government. That's what I hope happens. I believe, it, so in the next 30 days, just basically what you just heard, but I believe in the next 30 days, we will finally realize, come to the recognition, that all of the federal dominoes that we were depending on to save us have fallen and failed one right after another, and people will be snapped out of federal worship and get back to where their power is on the state and local level. Now, I do believe as I already mentioned, the two things have happened over these last four years and even more intensely uh, in the last couple of months. One, the foundations have been laid through the victories that we've made, the progress that we've made in the last four years. And, uh, and I'm not just saying on the political offices, we've been inside, we've gone in, we've been at the White House and in the administration and uh, in, in connection with different people in different agencies and we, we've saw this, we've seen the stuff that was happening um, to quote unquote drain the swamp. Obviously the swamp has not been drained, but a draining has been taking place, okay? So are we where we want to be? No. Have we made progress? Undeniably. Undeniably. If you're informed, you know that. If we're stuck in our echo chamber, you know, our favorite YouTube channel that is doom and gloom and all we hear, you know, is the rage, then we think, oh, hope is lost and let's just do this or whatever. So the victories, that's happened. That's going to give us a harvest. Number two, what's happening, and I think this is the number one thing that's happening, an exposure is taking place. The veil is being torn off. 
people are being exposed one right after another. And I hope, I hope we're watching, I hope we're seeing what's happening so that can inform uh, what we do. So I think that's what's coming out of it. It will come clear. All of the things that are being exposed will, will, will sort of stop and look and go, oh, my gosh, this is so much more clear to me. And look, the ground has been laid for us to achieve a tremendous victory in the very near future. So let's, let's put the finishing touches on this and get our country back. That's what I believe is coming. If I could just say one last thing before we go. What happens after January 20th is not up to electors. It's up to you. It absolutely is up to you. It's all over. We're defeated, whatever. Well, that's what you will find is defeat. If you speak defeat, you will create defeat. But we have an opportunity to move forward in greater ways we have seen a wave of families taking their children out of government schools and training them up in home schools and private schools. We are seeing a new generation be born. We can take this and make a victory, but we have to make those choices to victory. Come on, everybody. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you so much. God bless you both.